We are pausing still this Lord's Day, our study of second, uh, yes, we're in second Samuel. Second Samuel, I don't even remember, it's been so long, but we will return to second Samuel next week. <clears throat> I'm ready, I'm ready for, to hear how it goes. And then we'll move on to first Kings and then second Kings. Oh, and then we're going to be preaching from starting in August. Evening service will be Ecclesiastes. Now, for the last two weeks, the last two weeks, I said the key, I said that the key to Christian living, to good works, Christian good works, the key to Christian good works is to first realize you don't need good works. Christ's works are sufficient. Christ is sufficient. Because of Christ's good works, we do not need good works in justification. Our salvation is secure in Christ. We have everything we need. We have everything we need in the gospel. Does this mean we don't need sanctification? God forbid. For we have everything we need in Jesus Christ even our sanctification. You see, in Christ, love never ends. Love never ends. And the love of Christ follows us from justification to sanctification to glory. God first loved us and always will, so our love is progressive. This morning, I want to discuss the doctrine of sanctification. And I got in mind a particular text a particular book of the Bible, a particular chapter that clearly and masterfully explains the work of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. This text assures us that we belong to the Spirit of God, that we have life in Christ. It's a life that creates in us new life, new life in love, for we love because he first loved us. The Holy Spirit makes love. We love because he first loved us. So the text I have this morning in mind, the book is Romans. We're going back to Romans. We're still in Romans. Our scripture reading this morning is Romans. I usually don't do these sermonettes before the scripture reading. I've just been playing around with them the last several weeks. But the book, our text this morning is Romans. And it's a particular chapter that explains masterfully our connection to the Spirit in the role, in his role, in our sanctification, and that is chapter, chapter 8. <laughs> chapter 8. Chapter 12 is a really good guess, though, and I almost went there. I almost went there. We'll go there this morning, but it's chapter 8. Chapter 8, particularly verse 5. Chapter 8, beginning verse 5, our scripture reading this morning, 8-5. <clears throat> Eight, beginning verse 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So far, the reading of God's word, let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may hear, read, learn, and inwardly digest the word of the Lord, and that through the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Are we as Christians responsible for how we live? Should we strive after God's law? Should we strive after God's holy word? Yes, yes and amen. But we only accomplish good works because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And God's love never ends. So Christ has given us another author, He's given us an author of Christian love, the author of Christian love, the Holy Spirit, who writes his gospel upon our hearts, who seals us to his truth. He writes with his own word, and faith comes by hearing. And by faith, we please God. We love because we understand and we trust that he first loved us. He first loved us is history. He first loved us is history. And this morning, I want to explore this history. The title of my sermon this morning, if I got it right, I did get it right, The History of Sanctification. We're going to study the history of sanctification this morning, and that history we're going to explore with Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 5, the history of sanctification. Here now, God's word, verse 5. Paul writes, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In the span of time, throughout all of time, two realities have coexisted. Paul is distinguishing distinguishing between two realities, the reality of the flesh, the reality of the Holy Spirit. Each reality has its own history, its own past, its own present, its own future. There is a history of the flesh. That history began the day that you eat of this fruit, that day you will surely die. And the history of the Spirit began the day Christ Jesus said, it is finished. And then he rose again. Each history is going somewhere. The history of the flesh is death, and so the end result is death. 
Adam sinned against the Lord, and that day dying, he died. He died spiritually that day when he ate that fruit, and then physically his body caught up with his spirit, and he was buried in the grave. And he would have been dead spiritually if it hadn't been for the gospel. The gospel was first preached, Heidelberg says, in paradise. The gospel was first preached by God in paradise. And when God preached that gospel way back when in paradise, that day for the very first time in all of history, Romans 10, 17 was fulfilled. Faith comes by hearing. And that day, Adam became a new creature. Which is funny, think about it. He was just made creature. <laughs> He's the new creature. He's the first. But that day, he becomes also the first in Christ. It was no longer Adam who lived. It was Christ in him. In the life that he lived, he lived by faith in the Son of God. And that day, a new history, that is the history of Christ, the history of of sanctification began, the history of salvation, and the history of salvation is the history of sanctification. In the past, God loved, so that in the future, we might love. Now, the history of sanctification is the story of the Spirit's work in Christ. The history of sanctification, it has a past. Its past is death. Romans 6, 5, Paul writes, you have been united with him. You have been reunited with him in a death like his. By faith in Christ, you were united with Christ in his death. That is, your sins were nailed to the cross. Satisfy the wrath of God, you bear those sins no more. Think of the greatest sin you've ever committed, that thing that causes you to grieve so deeply, that thing you'd be ashamed and never tell another living soul. The Bible says no more condemnation, no more guilt. The sins have been washed away. It's the past. The past is death, and the past is also life. Listen to Colossians 3.1. Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, where your life is hidden now in Christ. So the past is death, nailed to the cross, and the past is life. The spirit who raised Christ from the dead is the spirit who raises us up. The resurrection is our sanctification. The resurrection is our sanctification, and in Christ we have new lives. It is the life of the Holy Spirit. This means that things are different now. Christians are different. We're not of this world. So we got our own worship. We got our own communion. We got our own language. Do you speak Christian? Well, you should. It's Latin. No, it's not. It's a language that transcends borders, but it's still foreign. It says things like, we are washed by the blood of Christ. And the world says, that's unsanitary. It's gross. And we say, it's the power of God unto salvation. They say, foolishness. We say, the wisdom of God. They say, no, you got to get ahead first in life. You got to get ahead of others. And we say, the last shall be first. And they say, well, people are going to take advantage of you. And we say, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They say, you're going to die. And we say, death is gain. And they say, you're crazy. <laughs> 
And they walk away dumbfounded. They don't understand. And they cannot understand, according to Paul, because they have not been resurrected. Verse 6, Paul says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now notice the use of the verb, or excuse me, the noun or the word mind in this chapter. He uses the word mind over and over again. And the mind here in Paul, and the mind in the ancient world wasn't just pure reason. The mind is the soul of man. It's that thing in man that controls what we understand and it controls our affections and it moves us. Everything is controlled by the mind. The mind compels your agency. It controls your life. So the question for Paul this morning for you is this, who controls your mind? You see, there are two histories in this world because there's two rulers. Two rulers seeking to rule your life. You are either controlled by the flesh and its narrative is death. Actually, its narrative is life. It spins the news. The flesh loves to spin the news. The the flesh says, God doesn't want you to truly live. He's holding you back. He's holding you back from the best you you could have with all these rules and regulations. He doesn't want you to be like him. Live your life. Take your life as you please. Take the life of the unborn if you please. Death is life. Double speak. It's your life that matters after all. Your freedom to enjoy your pursuits. Who's looking after you? You are. You matter the most. Take your neighbor's goods for your happiness. Lie. Don't tell your failure. And don't let your failure fail you. You were made with so much more. Or for so much more. Sound like that guy down in Houston. And so you live by lies and against God. Verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. The history of the flesh is a history of enmity. And we know that history. The history began the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And then what did Cain and Abel, what happened to their children? Right, children? You know the story? Cain killed his brother. He killed Abel. And then the corruption of Cain continued on the face of the earth till the whole earth was corrupt, and the Lord had to wipe that generation. He had to wipe the sinners from the earth. And as the flood waters extinguished that burning evil world, and when the waters abated, a new history began. Unfortunately, it was the same history in a different place. So Ham was cursed as soon as he got off the boat. Then the Tower of Babel and God cursed the earth. And this curse is our cursed history. It's the history of the flesh. And that flesh, that history is the history of hostility against God. Now notice in the text, this hostility began with the works principle. Did you notice the works principle in the text? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Paul is saying here, submit to God's law, do the law, no hostility. This here is the covenant of works. Do the work, get the reward, submit fully, perfectly, perpetually, as the Westminster Standards say. But there's one little problem. One little problem. 
For the wages of sin is death. The problem is our inability to keep the law, and Paul makes that point, verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Submit to God's law, and then he says you can't. Submit to God's law, and then he gives you the doctrine of total depravity. We are just completely sinners, through and through. That's our history, depravity. And I don't mean like history in the world. Like I'm not talking, you know, watch the news history, definitely depravity. But I'm talking about looking in the mirror history. We sin, we cannot help it. So how are we going to obey God's law? And the flesh here spins again. God helps those who help themselves. You see, the flesh loves to spin. The flesh loves to self-focus. Do more, try harder. Man, you're almost there. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, so close. I almost got it. And then eventually, you actually begin to think that you can please a holy God. You actually begin. There's religions that actually believe that they are pleasing a holy God with filthy rags. The flesh is an idolatrous bend towards self-gratification. I see it in failed marriages all the time. When I counsel failed marriages, a spouse will say something like this, well, my spouse is just not doing it for me anymore. My spouse is not giving me what I need. And I say, well, that's interesting because the vows you took before us and all the people of God says that you were willing to give in sickness and in health. Your vows actually said you're here to give, not receive. I see it with failed parents who are upset with their kids for not meeting their expectations. I see it in Christians who have to always be right, or worse, they think they are. I see it in broken relationships where there is no empathy or humility. There's only flesh, and the flesh always wants to win. It craves attention. It craves a winner. You can all be winners, and everyone's a loser because of it. And what's missing there is love. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians. We need a heavy dose of Philippians, chapter 2. Listen to Philippians, chapter 2. Paul writes, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, you should underline love, any participation in the Spirit, that's what we're talking about in our text over back in Romans, participation with the Spirit, which leads to love. If there's any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. That's the hard part right there, people. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interest of others. Have this mind. There's that word again. Mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. Here's where sanctification gets real hard, church. When you have to consider others more significant than yourself. But here's how it gets really hard, Christian. When you have to think 
when you have to consider others more significant than yourself, and it's the other who's hurting you. When the other is attacking you, when the other is hurting, you see, it's easy to love those who love you. Unbelievers do that all the time, and they can be really good at it, loving those who love you. But Christian love loves the other, the other, not just those who are loving us, but even those who are wounding us, even when it's our own brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, the church loves to consume its own. In the gospel, Christ laid down his life for sinners. That's the form of a servant. Humility. Yet the flesh wants to act. The flesh wants you to take the splinter of hypocrisy out of your brother's eye. It says, hey, get that splinter, right? You know, is there being hypocritical to you? The flesh says, hey, pull that splinter out of your own eye. The flesh says, I want retribution. The gospel, the spirit says we die to ourselves. We have to deny ourselves just like Christ who suffered for our sins. Taking up our cross is hard. Taking up the cross is painful, but the results are glorious. You will have peace in your heart. And Lord willing, peace with your neighbor because of love. This takes supernatural empathy and humility, by the way. And it is a work of regeneration. That's the truth of our text this morning. Back into Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, he says, are not in the flesh, you church, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, he recognizes not everyone in the church is saved. But if, in fact, the spirit is in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Paul says here, we are not in the flesh. Not in the flesh means regeneration. Not in the flesh means we've been born again. And and sanctification is the work of this new work of this spirit. It's this new life. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless what? One is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. You got to be born again to be a member of the kingdom of God, to live and move and act like a member of the kingdom of God. We come into the kingdom by the Spirit of God alone, and the gospel by the Spirit pulls us out of this dark, dying, sinful world, sets our feet on the age to come, that age to come, those glorious streets of gold paved with righteousness and salvation and life, and we begin to live for the Lord. And our history is now resurrection, that history that raised Christ from the dead, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is the Spirit who has now raised us up. So Christ's resurrection is our sanctification. We are sanctified in the resurrected life of Christ. Verse 10, Paul writes, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. I love Paul so much. And I love Paul because he immediately always turns to the gospel. As he's talking about sanctification, he's explaining, he just immediately goes to the gospel. He can't help himself but preach Christ and him crucified. He's explaining sanctification, and he just immediately turns to the gospel. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spiritual life is the life in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who unites us to Christ for our justification. There is now no more condemnation. It is the Spirit that unites us to Christ's life now. And it's no longer longer I who live, but Christ in me. No longer I who live. You've been born again, a new creature. It is Christ in me who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ. And it doesn't mean we'll never sin. Paul is very clear in our text that we still belong to this body of death. Very clear. You see, we believe as Christians we are affected by both histories. Both histories, the flesh and the spirit, have an effect on us. That's why Paul says in Romans 7, the things I don't want to do, I do, and that I do, and I don't want to do, and there's lots of things he doesn't want to do. He does those things because evil still clings to him, that history of the flesh means your sanctification, brothers and sisters, is going to be up and down. A lot of downs, by the way. I'm just, can I prepare you for a lot of downs so when you come to me for counseling and when you're down, I'll be like, yep, you're down. Lots more. Lots more coming. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. You see, because as you get more, understand righteousness more, you, you start to see your own sin. It, there's this interesting irony, the more godly you become, the more you realize how ungodly you are, and you end up saying, woe is me, who can save me from this body of death? And that's the answer, <laughs> the gospel. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, the church of God, that's what he called them, to the church of God, and then he says, and you're still in your flesh. To the church of God, you're still in your flesh. To the church of God, you're still carnal. And so he called them to the Spirit because only the Holy Spirit comprehends the things of God. And only the Holy Spirit lives us, leaves us, lives, causes us to live for his glory in another worldly way. That way is death, so we must die to our sins. We must die to ourselves. We must live for God and our neighbor. You see, the history of sanctification is the history of dying to self over and over again. You can see that history, actually the present. Mr. Lumen called it out, chapter 12. Look in your Bibles to chapter 12, verse 9. The marks of the true Christian. This is how your history, your future, your present should be. Paul says, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine, real. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brother, brotherly affection. Outdo, there's the hard part. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's, whew. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, y- y'all should be out here competing every, Lord, you know, every day. Oh, oh yeah? You're going to outdo me? Oh, I got one on you. Oh, yeah? You think so? <laughs> I should be careful when I say that with my kids. They love to compete. But maybe that might be the trick, right? Hey, y'all get to work. Outdo each other. See who could be better. All right. No, anyway. Uh, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's a tough one. Bless and do not curse them. Well, the flesh wants to curse, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony. Harmony. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, the other. Love the other. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible... Here it is again. If possible, hard. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that means sometimes you're going to have to take the wounds of a brother. But Christ bore in his wounds all your sins. And when you look at it like that, 
You can take the pain, you can take the trouble, you can take the sin, and you can return good. And that's the life of sanctification. That's the life of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. Paul writes, that the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Here's the gospel. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Paul is saying our new life begins with the gospel. It begins with what the Holy Spirit did in the gospel, crucified our Savior, and three days again, three days later, raised him up. And that resurrection affects us in the present. The gospel is our sanctification. The Holy Spirit works through the gospel to raise us up to new life every Lord's day. That's your history. In the history of sanctification, your history in the sanctification, I can be summed up really easily. Your history in the sanctification, your history in sanctification is a history of just simply going to church every Lord's Day. <laughs> just go to church. For faith comes by hearing. And you receive the gospel. And where the spirit of life is, it's eschatological life. And it leads us into end times living, living by the past for the future. And I can sum it all up easily in one statement. We love because he first loved us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.